How you think is crucial to your well-being. It's essential for us as followers of Jesus uh, to have a thought life that glorifies God, that blesses others, and that benefits ourselves. So our big theme for the year 2023 here at Grace Point has been, um, what does it mean to be whole? And this fall, we're, we're continuing on that theme by looking into the series, Winning the War in Your Mind, this book written by Greg Rochelle. And we're going to use this book as our, 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 our basically our guideline for the next several weeks and, and the messages and the small group materials. Um, I was reading Proverbs 23, 7 the other day. It, it concludes an instruction that you're not to eat the food of a stingy man because he's always thinking about the cost. And I love how this verse ends. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The motto for this series is simple. It's this. Change your thinking, change your life. I'll say that again. Change your thinking, change your life. And so I want to uh, begin today by reading from uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. And this is kind of like the theme verse for this whole series. And so listen to what it says about our thinking, okay? Here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I think in this Philippians scripture, there's a three-step uh, process that's revealed here for the Christ follower to really succeed in their, in their following of the Lord. It begins with thinking right. You have to think right as a follower. Uh, we're supposed to think on these things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. They occupy our minds. They're supposed to take up our, our thought uh, process. Um, I was thinking on where the church has been over the last 40, 50 years. I, I can begin to do that now at my age. And I remember when I was uh, first becoming a Christ follower, um, man, TV was talked against. You're not supposed to watch TV. You're not supposed to do that because it puts bad thoughts in your mind. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you know very well what I'm talking about. And, and, and so, uh, you know, there was this kind of, don't watch TV, it's, it's bad for you. Well, that's smacked of legalism. So eventually that kind of thought process got thrown out. Well, here's the problem. There's some truth to it. There's some shows, friends, you should not watch. Amen? When you watch them, they will put bad thoughts into your mind. And that will begin to occupy your mind. There are some social media you should not listen to. It is not edifying. It is not good for your soul. It will put wrong thoughts into your mind. There is just some toxic relationships that you should avoid. That they're going to destroy you. We have to be wise. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater here, right? And so as we, as we start talking about this, this mind part of our being, we got to become smart. Because thoughts shape your life. Thought shape your life. And we need to begin to even now ask the Lord, grace me to think right, to think pure, to think lovely, to think on things that are beneficial, that are encouraging. I, I encourage you to ask this question. Do I like the direction my thoughts are taking me? Even as we begin this series, I want you to do some self-analysis. Do I like the direction my thoughts take me? Do my thoughts take me to a good, edifying place? Or do they tend to take me to a place I really don't want to go? 
And today I would encourage you already, decide in the Lord, I'm not going to be governed by toxic thoughts. These are not going to control me. And we're going to dive into how to do that deeply in this series. But I want you to open yourself to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, friends, and ask him, change how I think. Change how I think so that I think right. Help me, Jesus, to steward my mind so that my mind becomes a place where I think rightly and you're glorified. Now, next, these Philippian scriptures tell us to do right. It says, think right, but then you're also to do right. We're not going to focus on this that much in this series, but this is where Philippians takes us. It says, whatever you've seen me do, Paul says, whatever you've seen me do, you put that into practice. Treat others as Jesus would treat them. Encourage others in their faith. When you have to address an issue with a, a brother or sister in Christ, do so with gentleness and with thoughts of reconciliation. And so I have a question to ask you here on this particular point. Will you adopt a purposeful, thoughtful, doing right life focus? Will that just become part of how you do life? Will you say, I'm going to be purposeful, I'm going to be thoughtful and doing right? Then you're thinking right. That's thinking right so that you do right. Thinking right should lead to doing right. And then, guess what? We experience right. Philippians says, if you think right and you do right, then you get to experience right. That's a wonderful reality. When you think right, when you tackle the war in your mind, and Christ begins to reign there, when you do right, when you put the ways of Jesus into practice in your life, then we're told in Philippians, you're going to experience the peace of God. You're going to experience the peace of God. Think right, do right, experience right. I have a question to ask you here. Do you think you can experience the peace of God in your life? Do you think you can experience the peace of God in your life without addressing your thought life? Do you think you can experience the peace of God without putting into practice the ways of Jesus? I see so many people desperately wanting peace. You can't bypass the process. Peace is at the end of thinking right and doing right. It's part of the... It's part of the uh, I hate to use the word reward. It's part of the outcome. That would be better. It's part of the outcome. If, if you think right and you do right, then we're told in Philippians you're going to experience the peace of God. Do you want the peace of God? Anybody want that beside me? Man, I want the peace of God in my life. I can think right and I got to do right. Well, that's enough of an introduction. This series is broken down into four main sections, okay? I want to tell you where we're going here real quickly. There's four main sections to this series. Each section is three weeks long. Okay, and here's how it's broken down. The first three weeks, I'm going to talk and do the preaching. The second three weeks, Aaron's going to talk and do the preaching. The third section, I'm going to talk for three weeks, and he's going to talk for three weeks. So you get in the flow of how this is going to work. And so there's like four sets of three weeks each here that in each part will have a big theme. The theme for this first section that we're talking on is the replacement principle. I love this principle. It is so powerful and so life-changing. The replacement principle is simply this. Remove the lies and replace them with truth. Remove the lies of your life and replace them with the truth of God. That, my friends, is life-changing. If you begin to remove lies from your life that influence you, instead you speak truth of God into your life. It changes how you do life. How many of you have ever struggled with doing wrong? Anybody? Everybody should be raising their hand right now. Did I wake you all up? Anybody struggle with doing wrong in here beside me? Yeah, you know what? The more I think about not doing it, guess what I think on? It more. Anybody relate to me on that? 
The more you think, I gotta stop this, the more it occupies your mind. It tends to just embed itself in your mind because that doesn't work. You can't stop thinking about something by trying to stop think about it. You have to replace it with that which is right and which is good. So let me give you an example. Anybody anxious in here ever? You guys have your act together. Praise God. There's no anxious people in this church building at all, right? None of you ever get anxious? Anybody get anxious? Okay, I get anxious. I don't do so, so much of that anymore, but I, but I used to. But here's what I presently practice to not be anxious, okay? Every time I have an anxious thought come my direction, you know what I do? I pray. I use it as an indicator to pray. Now, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know about you. It's, it's I think, a thing of getting older. But you might wake up at like 4 in the morning, anybody relating to me, and I'm wide awake. I think, oh, rats. And kind of early to get up. And now what do I do? And you kind of start to get anxious. You know what I've been doing lately? I just pray for my family. I pray for my kids. I have a bunch of adult kids. I have six kids. And I have 13 grandkids. So I have a lot to pray about. Amen? So I just begin to pray about them, their marriages by name for their kids. And I, 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 I pray something like this. I'll, I'll use an example. I'll use my oldest daughter, Liz and Bruce. I, I say, Lord Jesus, would you bless Liz and Bruce in their marriage? Would you bind them together? Thank you, God, that she loves you so much. She does. She loves them like crazy. And that Bruce and her have such a great marriage. Would you bless them? Would you bless their kids? Would you bless Kieran and Acacia and Isaiah and Chorus and charity, you know, would they grow up to be, you know, strong plantings in the Lord Jesus? And I get pray. I'm replacing my anxiousness with what? That which is profitable, that which is edifying, that's which is praiseworthy. Amen, right? And I, this replacement theory has a lot of merit. It's, it's got a lot of strength to it. So, I've talked to you thus far with a little bit of introduction to this series. I've laid out how we're going to do it. There's going to be four weeks or four sections of three weeks each. We're, we're looking at the replacement principle today. So now we're going to dive into today's message. All right, I'm done with the introduction. No smiles. Okay, that's okay. Um, I, I'm going to quote from Greg Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind, because I want to tease you with a quote. And I want you to get to the sense of, of what this book is like. So I'm going to quote to you uh, using a story that he shares. But before I do that, I want to kind to, uh, you know, prime the pump a little bit. Any of you ever have an ongoing kind of game at work that you play? Anybody in here? Man, you guys are straight-laced. Wow. Anybody in here ever have any fun? <laughs> okay, well, let's have some hands up there. So I've worked in a lot of environments where there's been like these ongoing games. And I remember very vividly that we had one going on at New Hope that I didn't like that much when I pastored there for a decade. It, it was something like this. Pastor Tom, the assistant, uh, would hide. And he would jump out and scare people constantly. This was kind of like his game. And I, I remember talking to him because we had a, a gal who was leading worship that was a little older, like 65. Now I think that's not that old anymore. And I kept telling her, you're going to kill her. Because he would scare her. And she'd go, ah! you know what I mean? Everything. She never learned, you know. And so he thought it was hilarious. And he kept playing this game. Well, one day, Vicky, who was the office manager at the church at that time, that's my wife, saw Tom coming in early in the morning. He didn't know anybody was there. And when you came in through the side door of the church, you'd walk through the kitchen. She hid. 
and she jumped out and scared him from behind the counter, he went down on the ground in the fetal position. <laughs> and he shook. And she said she felt kind of bad about it. And he's six foot three. He's a beast of a man. He's on the floor with a tiny woman screaming at him. You know what I mean? And I thought, poetic justice here. God is good. Because this guy deserved this. And, you know, and he laid there. And to his credit, he goes, you got me good. You got me good. You know, as he's shaking. Well, Craig Groeschel evidently had those kind of games going on in his work environment at his church also. And so let me share a story from this book here. Um, he says this. My friend Kevin served on our church staff as one of our pastors for 20 years before retiring. Way back in the early days, our staff used to play a game called Capture the Flag in our storefront church offices. You guys know what Capture the Flag is, right? Most people know that. Well, if you don't, ask a, ask a friend afterwards. We occasionally got violent as players tried to seize the flag. But because we were ministers, it was, of course, holy violence. Eventually, however, two people ended up getting injured. So we had to establish some guidelines. One of those rules was no attacks before 8 a.m. in the morning. I tend to go to work early, and one day I showed up around 7 a.m. and began walking to my office. My spidey sense went off. Something wasn't right. Suspecting a threat, I threw open a closet door to find Pastor Kevin hiding. I don't know if he spent the entire night in there, but his plan was to wait patiently for a surprise attack at go time. But thanks to my superhero ability to detect danger, I thwarted his plan. I was so excited that I slammed the door shut, wedged my foot against the bottom, and yelled triumphantly, you're going to spend the rest of the day in that closet. I grabbed the chair to secure my prisoner. Chuckling, I said, I'm putting a chair out of the doorknob right now. But no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get the chair to fit. And because I couldn't move my foot from the door, there was nothing I could do to lock Kevin in the closet. Fortunately for me, I realized he didn't know that. He believed me. So with all the fake confidence I could muster, I sold it. There's now a chair under the doorknob, Kevin. You can't get out. Yes, I lied. Yes, I'm a pastor. It was wholly lying. <laughs> well, what did Kevin do? More like what he did not do. He never tried to open the door. He just believed me. Kevin started shouting, let me out. Let me out. Can you hear this? Let me out. I don't want to spend the day in here. Let me out. I couldn't stop laughing because the door was unlocked. All he had to do was turn the handle and push. Then he'd be free. But he stayed in the closet. I had a premarital counseling appointment at 8. This is where it gets really good. So I went to my office. He just left him in the closet. To meet with the soon-to-be-married couple. At about 8.20, I heard something in the ceiling above me. Then I heard the noise again. It was Kevin. He had scaled the shelves in the closet and gotten up to the ceiling tiles trying to find a way out. When a ceiling tile suddenly poked out, I saw Kevin's eyes glaring down at me. I asked the couple to forgive the intrusion. They looked up and jokingly said, or I looked up and jokingly said, if you wait until I'm finished with this meeting, I'll call the fire department to see if they can get you down. If not, you're spending the rest of your life in that ceiling. The couple I was counseling <laughs> faced a dilemma. Should they laugh or pray that the guy stuck above us could get free? So out of respect to them, Kevin waited. So he waited in the ceiling the whole time the closet door was unlocked. So now he gets kind of serious. Listen to this. I wonder if you feel locked or taken captive. 
If so, I, I wonder if you feel locked up or taken captive, he said. If so, have you considered that you might be trapped in a self-made prison? You may feel held back from living the life you want to live, not experience the relationship with, you want with God with little or no hope for the future. But are you? If you think you're trapped, if you believe there's a lock on the door, you've bought into a lie. And it is the lie, nothing else, that's holding you back. Yet if you identify the lie, then you can remove it, you can replace it with truth and be free. Your liberation is a two-step process. Remove the lie, replace it with truth, the replacement principle. Remove the lie, replace it with truth. What I'm about to share with you could be labeled this way. Perception can lead to deception. Perception can lead to deception. You know, we can perceive a reality that really is a deception. And it becomes something that locked us into a prison. For instance, if you're here today and your perception is there is no God, there is no spiritual battle going on in my life, then you've been deceived and you're locked in a prison of your own making. There's a battle going on for the minds of people. And most people, I'm convinced, are unaware of that. Do you ever wonder why you don't feel connection to God? Do you ever wonder why I fight so frequently with my spouse? Ever wonder why, man, I lose my temper all the time? You ever wonder why you make so many seemingly bad, ill-advised decisions? There's an old saying, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. He's just trying to convince you that there's no battle going on. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us otherwise. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Frequently in life, we think our adversary is a boss, a spouse, maybe a wayward child. Sometimes we might think our adversary is the neighbor with the dog that barks and uses your yard for the bathroom, right? These aren't the problem in our life. There's a spiritual war going on, and we have to understand this. This is our big thought for today. There's a battle going on for your mind, and you have to engage in it. You have to engage in that battle. You have to recognize it and engage in it. Now, I'm not saying that everything that comes your direction is a direct result of the devil and his activity in your life. Our natures are sinful, especially unredeemed. They're, they're, they're sinful. As we learned in our first series in this year, dealing with this being whole, um, we live in this culture of fractured individuals, fractured institutions, and fractured ideologies. And all these things are, are factoring into our lives and propagating lies. The world is broken without the Lord Jesus Christ. And all these things contribute collectively and try to capture your mind with all these lies. Um, You've you got to be aware of the influence of fractured individuals, fractured institutions, and fractured ideologies. And you can't allow them to take your mind captive. But the author and the power behind all this of course, is ultimately the devil. His mission is to steal and destroy. He desires to rob the f- follower of inner joy, of abiding peace. He's the father of lies. His lies are persuasive. He prowls around, the Bible says, looking for someone to destroy. And, and so what, what's happened is we kind of have this whole pervasive culture of lies that's seeking to captivate our minds. Now, here's how wrong thinking can manifest itself. Just 
think with me on this. If you succeed at something, you're really good and gifted at something, right? And this is a lot of people. A lot of people are really gifted at something. They think, I don't need God. The hardest people to reach for the Lord Jesus Christ are those that think they don't need him. Right? They think they're smart and they think they got their act together. They don't think they need God. That's a lie. That's a lie. If you fail, there's this lie that says, I'm a failure. I see so many people afraid to take any risk at all in life because they're so, so afraid of failing. And like I've said here before, failure doesn't define you, it informs you. It tells you what doesn't work, just try something else. But you're not a failure. That's a lie that seeks to imprison you and keep you from taking God-ordained risks in your life. You have a first great date. Here's a lie. I finally found the person that will fulfill, will fulfill me, that will make me happy. <laughs> Whenever I hear a young person say that, I say, oh, Lord Jesus, help them. There is no person alive that will make you happy. If you're not happy with the Lord Jesus Christ, no other person can do that for you. Do not put that burden on them. That is a lie. You can have a first great date and think, oh, I finally found that person. Yay! Or you can have the first date and it goes like a disaster and you could think, I'm unlovable. No one will ever love me. That also is a lie. You do something nice for that hard-to-please person and you can think, I'm really something special. Right? You may not verbalize it, but you can think, ooh, look at me. I'm, I'm pretty good. Friends, that's a lie. Or you can just get irritated with that person and you could say something that's a little bit hateful and cruel and you think, oh boy, I'm not a very good person. I can't do, you know, these lies are everywhere. They really tend to infiltrate us a lot more than we realize. By the way, have you ever noticed when someone's being rude or inconsiderate, when you point that out, you're the rude and inconsiderate person, not them? I just thrown that in there for a bonus. It has no point here. So Satan has <laughs> created this, what I would call, prison of lies that are part of the fallen condition of this world whether it's broken individuals, broken institutions, broken ideologies, the, all this stuff is coming at us like uh, with, with this great amount of force. And I found it fascinating that Craig's assistant begged him, let me out, let me out, let me out. And all they had to do is what? Open the door. So in this series over the next few weeks, you know what we're going to do? We're going to open the door. Amen. We're going to talk about how do I get out of this prison? Frequently, it's a prison on my own making, and I've been deceived and I've been lied to. And how do we get out of it? See, here's a perspective you've got to understand. A lie believed as truth can affect your life as though it is true. A lie believed as truth can, of course, affect your life as though it is true. I grew up in a kind of unhealthy situation. I've shared this before. But my dad frequently told us as a family, nobody wants us. We're not going to do anything. So we didn't do anything with anybody else. So guess how that affected me? I still think today the man's passed away, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. And I still find myself saying, well, they, nobody wants me. You follow what I'm saying? That lie is still there. I still have to do battle with it all of the time. Now, in this series, I'm, so, I'm not so much really interested in giving you all this information. What I really want to have happen 
now hear my heart, is for you to experience transformation. I'm not here to try to tickle you with some new grand idea for, for, for dealing with the lies in your life as much as I want you to have an open, receptive heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and, and an open, receptive heart to the truth of the Bible and you begin to replace the false things in your life with the truth of the Bible, counting on the Holy Spirit to empower you and, and, and you experience transformation. I want transformation sharing to go on this morning, not necessarily information sharing. You getting what I'm getting at here? Does this make sense? If it's not, that's okay. It'll make sense as we, as we go. So what lies are holding you captive? Begin to think about that. We're going to go to an, a thought exercise here in just a moment, a thought audit. So what, what lies are holding you captive? Begin to think about this. What, what, what things, they're just not true, but yet they kind of imprison you. And, and, and the Lord is saying to you, enough of that. Start opening the door get out of there. Start replacing those lies with God's truth, counting on the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that very kind of thing. Here's our conclusion today. You cannot change what you do not confront. So in the next few weeks, we're going to dive deeply into some opportunities for you to confront some things that need to change. And our serious goal is this, that you think about what you think about. I think too many just don't think about what they think about. They just think it happens to them. And we're going to become people who think about what we think about and start doing some work in, in that regard. Um, I pray that you experience a renewal in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do a thought audit right now as a way of finishing today. And that's in your note-taking guide. And the praise team is going to make their way out. I, I finished a lot quicker this hour than last hour, so they may not be ready for me to be done. But I took some stuff out so that we wouldn't be going too long. So they're going to make their way out and play some soft music. And um, as I, I read through this thought audit with you, um, but here's what I want you to do. There's a couple ways you can do this. You, you see in your note guide the thought audit, right? If you're not, look at your neighbors and go along with me on this. But as I read these questions to you, engage. Is this me? Do I need to work on some of these things? I think for a long time in Christian circles that I've known, I've seen some things almost sanctified as okay. We know we can't think impure thoughts. We know we can't do pornography. Those things are usually okay. That's wrong thinking. But there's an awful lot of negativity and cynicism that seems to be thought of as being okay. It is not okay. There's a lot of toxic thinking. And there's a lot of toxic individuals sometimes that you need to address that. That is not okay, friends, to think like that. Okay? That destroys you, it destroys others, and it does not bring glory to God. So as we go through this little exercise today in this thought audit, open yourself up to the person of the Holy Spirit. Think, do I do some of this stuff? Are you tired of doing it? Will you take the battle to heart, and will you begin to say, I'm going to engage in winning the war in my mind, all right? And so today, we're just still teasing the whole subject matter. We'll get into this a lot more next week. We'll get into how to become a thought warrior, and we'll dive more deeply into this. But I want to encourage you to just to, to go through this thought audit with me and let it, uh, let it minister to you. First of all, we're going to talk about life sapping thoughts, and then we're going to talk about life giving thoughts, okay? So here we go. See if any of this, you know, scratches an itch in your, in, your, in your heart. Life sapping. Are my thoughts tearing me down? Do I think worried thoughts? 
And if you do, write it down here. Begin to confess it. Begin to address it. You can't change what you don't confront. Begin to say, yeah, I do this. I worry a lot. Do my thoughts cause me to keep people at a distance? We live in a culture where people block themselves off from one another. They don't want people to see who they really are. Are you one of those? Are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life I want? And a companion question to that is, are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life God wants for me? Do you have a lot of guilt associated with the way that you think? Are my thoughts, listen now, hear this, are they negative? Is that where you go first? Always negative, always seeing the bad of everything. Are they toxic? Are they self-deprecating? Does my inner voice tell me I'm helpless or that life is hopeless? I loved how Ben started the service here, talking about hope. Do my inner thoughts tell me, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I can't do this. But in Christ, we can do it, amen? In Christ, we can become a new creation. In Christ, all things can be made new. Sorry, I'm giving you the answers. But anyway, do you have that? Do I find myself skeptical of others? Do I lean towards imagining the worst case scenarios in my life? What story are you telling yourself? I see this all the time. People tell themselves a story. And it's, it's, it's a fabrication of, of lies. And it's in the mind. And frequently, if you start saying, where did this come from? Why do I think like this? You begin to see it's not even accurate. It's not even true. And you can begin to address it and say, why do I think like this? Because your mind's a battleground. And you've got to think about what you're thinking about, okay? So those are life sapping. Let's go to life-giving. Are my thoughts building me up? And what I mean by that is, do I know that I'm a beloved child of Jesus Christ? Do I reside in that security of unconditional love? Do I trust him with my future? Do I look to him for answers? Are my thoughts building me up? Do I think peaceful thoughts? Does my self-talk inspire me to step out in faith? Do I think, yeah, God, you want me to do this? I can do this because you're dwelling in me richly. Do they inspire me to take steps of faith? Do my thoughts help me get closer to others? Do I empathize and sympathize with others? Do I see their plight? And do I see their plight in a merciful kind of heart attitude sort of way? Do my thoughts reflect in faith? Are my thoughts God-honoring? Do my thoughts reflect my hope in Jesus Christ? Do my thoughts inspire me to believe I can make a difference in this world? Do my thoughts equip me to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Do my thoughts connect me to the vision God has for my life? Look at this thought audit during the week. Answer it honestly and sincerely. Begin the process of winning the war in your mind. Begin to confront what needs to change. Remember, change your what? Thinking, change your life. I'm going to say it again. Change your what? thinking, change your life. May our, our minds become places where God is glorified, where we then have the benefit of that, and we are blessings to other people around us.